Hey guys. I'm Noelle Moran. And I'm Lois Shaw. And this is In Service. Hey guys. Welcome. So happy sixth episode of In Service, Noelle. Happy sixth episode. I never thought we'd get this far. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what we haven't talked about is the name In Service. You're right. The our origin story. Harkening back to the early days of our Some, founding. I think we landed on In Service because we knew that this was about going to be about gospel-centered teaching. We were thinking teaching terms. A in-service, for those of you who don't know, is what you call kind of professional development in the teaching world. It's a fun play on words because we are mm-hmm. in his service. Mm-hmm. His meaning Christ's. We're in kingdom service, but it's but it's that fun teacher <laughs> development. It's also day. teacher development. <laughs> Like you remember when you were little and you got the day off from school, the teachers had in service, which means teachers are going to meetings. They're talking meetings, and then usually some kind of weird pasta lunch. I wonder how many of our listeners know what masticcioli is. Uh, Your fellow co-host doesn't know. Okay, I also did. It's a thing that's. I don't know if it's just Illinois or if it's just the Midwest, but everyone was talking about masticcioli. And uh, us from the East, Noel, I was like, what, what is masticcioli? I have um, no idea. It's baked ziti is what it is. <laughs> yeah. In all my glory days in Illinois, I never knew that. Never came across it. I'm sure I just ate it and was like, yay, ziti. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to talk today about First Timothy 4. Noel is going to read it for us. Uh, okay. So... <laughs> As the designated reader. Um, <laughs> You're an English teacher. Um, I actually just shout out to our previous episode where Lois decided not to cut the part where I discussed the elements of a choir because I, <laughs> um, I definitely got made fun of. Oh, I don't know a lot about other fields. You want to hear me try to explain biology? Oh, my gosh. All I know is dissecting frogs. Because actually in Vermont, I'm pretty, okay, this could be an exaggeration in my mind, but I'm pretty sure we dissected a cow. <laughs> I think that's we right. We might have done little pigs. No, like I'm pretty piglets. sure it was a cow. It was also agriculture class. I'm like 99% sure it was a cow. Agriculture I... class and biology have to be two different things. It is Vermont. My favorite thing about Vermont, besides the fact that you're from there, is that they have a hot air balloon festival every year. It's true. Do you know that because of because more of than you. me? Oh, okay. No, you and I had this conversation, but also I realized that North Carolina has a hot air balloon festival. Oh, I'm sure October, lots of places and, do. I'm sure they do, but uh, you best It's probably all the going. same people with hot air balloons traveling around. You're going to see me fly over Illinois in my Here's hot Here's a question. Balloon. When the people come to the hot air balloon festival, do they... Get their buy hot air balloon. Oh, or do they put their hot do air they balloon? Do they drive? My guess would be that they drive. How easy is it to steer in a hot air balloon? I don't think it's very easy. I've actually Googled it. I don't think it's very easy. Okay. That's what I got from my Googling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
All right, First Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for so by doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Noel. Verses 1 through 5 um, are really a warning against legalism and against adding things to the gospel. And we believe we have freedom in Christ and it says everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So this is um, a warning about teaching uh, that things are sin that are not sin. And when sometimes people can draw the line so far back in fear of sinning that we start to call some things sin that are not. And then we build shame around things that are not areas that God has called us to feel guilt in. Yeah. I think kind of going off of what you were saying, um, the easiest way to get confused about what is sin, what God is calling us to, what he's not calling us to and his gifts and is to just know the Bible. And so kind of going into the meat of the passage to, that we will really be focusing on today, it says, uh, rather train yourself for godliness for while bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. One thing that the Lord has put on my heart in the past several years is this idea of being more heaven-minded and to really be thinking with eternity in mind and how that shapes the way that I think, the way that Mm -hmm. I approach situations, the way that I approach suffering, just the way that I approach Mm -hmm. living my life. And be rooted in the word, be rooted in the word. Like at verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, like persist in these, all the ways that that empowers us to walk in line with him. It's also when it says practice these things, immerse yourself in them, keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, that teaching that we're keeping a close watch on is like, we also don't need to add things to that teaching and get caught up in a workspace salvation. I understand legalism from the sense of wanting to keep yourself clean. The verses that say, keep yourself unstained from the world. I understand that. Like I'm going to put this boundary back further, even than what God is asking me to, so that I won't cross that boundary. I understand that logic. 
in the, in the same way that, you know, I like, I don't want my son to run into the street. So I might say like, don't even play in the driveway, even though the driveway is perfectly safe. I having experienced legalism at different phases in my life and in different Christian circles, that those were kind of damaging and promoted this feeling of shame accompanied with my faith about things that actually aren't wrong or promoted feelings of starting to view God as like this disapproving judger. And it's not what God's character is like. And it's not, I mean, God is a righteous judge, but he's not this disapproving waiting for me to slip up kind of God. And especially as we are stewarding young minds and young hearts, I want to be careful to not teach them any kind of shame that the Lord is not putting on them. Yeah. I think legalism can be really damaging to kids because they already feel like, especially I can speak it from the high school, middle school level. They already feel like everything in their life is being told to them. Here's all these rules that they have to follow. Here's what they have to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes we have, as human beings, we naturally want to put God in a box because what we know in the world is our closest comparison of who he is. And he's Mm -hmm. so much bigger than that. And yet, in order to understand God, we're trying to make comparisons that he is bigger than. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. So this is a letter to Timothy from his pal mentor, Paul, one of my favorite duos in scripture, because I just love the concept of mentorship. Don't let anyone despise you for your youth, which insinuates that not everyone had respect for Timothy due to his youth. So what encouragement can this verse give young teachers, Noel? Well, I think that as an English teacher, one of the things that I always tell my students is that their voice matters instead of this idea where once they graduate high school, then that's when their real life starts, but that there's things that they can be doing now. And I think that the same thing applies to young teachers. I remember I started student teaching when I was a freshman in college. And and so as a student teacher, I was working with a teacher who had been teaching for 35 plus years. And she was used to being in a classroom. She was used to her rhythm and her ways and her the way that she had set everything up. And I kind of came in with a fresh set of eyes and felt really timid when it came to things that I noticed or just offering like, oh, what if we implemented this because I grew up in a technological age. I knew that her students were growing up in a technological age. I had things that I felt like could meet their needs. And I felt really timid of like, this isn't my place. This isn't my classroom. I shouldn't say anything. I don't want to tell her how to do her job. And I think it's a both end because of course I don't want to tell her how to do her job. But I think there's also just a level of grace in which you can approach the situation. Mm. I think first year teachers get a bad rap. Like they, even from the other faculty, there's this like stig, almost the way that like people treat freshmen in high school, this, Oh, like first year teacher, like you don't know anything. Those of you who've been teaching for less than a month, like if you just started your career in 2022, I want to empower you that you have the most 
up-to-date information. You have the most recent education, which means you're up-to-date on the most accurate psychological development research. I think another thing that young teachers bring to the table is that they've most recently been students. And so Mm. when it comes to meeting the needs of students, they can relate to what their needs were and they have a lot to pull from with their own very recent experience. There are, there are things that are bonuses about being a first year teacher. If just because you are young, scripture tells us that's not a reason to hold back on your gifting. Later in the chapter, it says, do not neglect the gift you have. There's an importance of still stepping into those shoes and take up space in your school. Be fruitful. I also want to encourage those of you who have been teaching for a while to see young teachers the way the Lord sees them and find ways to empower them gently and kindness And especially if they ask you, if you can create a safe space of trust with the young teachers, then they will ask you for your advice, but also take the opportunity to glean from them. The same way in which you look at your students and you think about the variety of gifts in which they're bringing to the table, it's the same way with teachers. You can have young teachers that are coming in and they have technological backgrounds or ideas about curriculum that teachers who have a lot of experience may be stronger in classroom management because they have more experience Mm -hmm. and they've dealt with different types of students. And so being able to view each teacher, not by their age or by the amount of years they've spent in the classroom, but by their gifting and how you can come together and best meet your students by sharing the gifts that the Lord has given you with each other. We always have the opportunity to be learning and growing and being students ourselves. And even our students have things to say, and we should never act like we're above learning from them. Mm. I've learned so many things from my students and being able to have that posture of being in the classroom, knowing that you are guiding your students, but that doesn't mean that you cannot also be learning from them along the way. The second half of this verse that says, set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love and faith and purity. It isn't saying, don't let anyone despise you for your youth and fight back and demand for their respect, which is tempting. I remember my first year teaching wanting to just (laughs) tell everyone to respect me, but it it does say, set an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. So practically, what, what does it look like to set an example in those five things? I wouldn't advise come barreling in being like, hey, you have to respect me because I have all these gifts and the Lord called me to this school and this job, but just prove it. Like the Lord Mm -hmm. did call you. The Lord did give you these gifts. You do have this job for a reason, except the fact that administration, whoever it is, hired you for a reason and step into that role with confidence in faith, in conduct, in purity, in speech. That is presenting yourself as someone who is mature. I agree. Just come in and with confidence, step into the shoes the Lord's called you to step into. I have a prove yourself stressor in my life. Uh, I of feeling like when I enter a new situation, this pressure of I need to prove myself to everyone around me. I actually don't if the Lord is pleased with what I'm doing. So, you know, I just switched careers and in this job that I've just started, one of the people on staff at the church is actually also a teacher. 
I was just sharing with him the my stress around that I put on myself. Like this new job has not put this on me, but the stress that I carry around of feeling like I have to prove myself. He just encouraged me so much the other day in saying like, good news, you don't have to prove yourself. The Lord has done all of the finishing work. So don't step into that space in insecurity or out of trying to force people's approval, but step into that space out of confidence and freedom that you already are chosen by God. He delights in you. And we get to live freely on this side of the resurrection. I was reading a devotion by Paul David Tripp. And one of the things that he was talking about was how, why is the biggest question that everyone asks? And he was saying how for Christians that the question why is because on a practical level, we can say the Lord is sovereign. But then we ask, like, why is this not happening? Why me, Lord? Why am I going through this? And in those areas of doubt, he challenges readers to check themselves in those areas of your life in which you're doubting. Are you truly believing? And is it a part of your life on a day-to-day basis to believe that the Lord is sovereign? Mm. Do you believe that the Lord has called you to this job? Do you believe that the Lord has equipped you? Do you believe that he is walking alongside you? He has gone before you. You may really feel the weight of having to prove yourself, but do you believe that the Lord has gone before you and he has equipped you to carry out his plan? Mm. So just like practically setting the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity in your day as a teacher. Our number one call is to make disciples. And in order to make disciples, you want to emulate Christ in every facet of your life. Mm -hmm. And he does that by loving others in every Mm -hmm. situation. You can go throughout the whole entire Bible and the consistent Mm -hmm. number one theme is how Christ loved his people. Mm. I think it's easy for me to read the just like speech, conduct, love, faith, purity, and just be like, yeah, these are just like some general Bible words about being good. Um, or to just stop at conduct and be like, yes, in the way that I present myself, I will be holy. And these ones of faith and purity are really intimate with the Lord in terms of my faith has a lot to do with what is going on in my soul. And I've actually been praying about the word purity because just thinking about how does the Lord define this? Like, what is he really asking of me when he wants me to pursue purity and just have felt this gentility from the Lord speaking to my soul that purity is just longing only for Christ, only Jesus and my heart. Like, is it when I think of like water being pure, it's like there's no gunk in it. Not like I often see water with gunk in it, (laughs) but I recently went to this lake in Montana where you can see the water from like like so many feet down. It's just clear and pure and there's no gunk per se (laughs) or algae or this metaphor has gotten away from me, but is there anything else that is like clouding my soul and not just my mind or a very cerebral culture, but my, my soul and what I place my faith in. So yeah, just in the context of teaching, like, are we really purely Christ-centered? Are we really purely founded on Christ and is Christ our pure motivation or is there a bunch of other clutter in there? And can we declutter? Can we Marie Kondo our souls? 
And are we willing to put in the effort to sit down and think about it? Yeah, true. Because most of the time I'm not. But good news, Noel, because our effort doesn't save us. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. <laughs> okay, moving right along. It says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Catch me reading the scripture aloud in the hallways. <laughs> you can't really do that in the public school. Can't do that in most situations. You can't do that in a lot of situations, professionally speaking. But if you can, if you are in a private Christian school, please do. Um, if you can't, that's okay. You get to live out God's word because he's in your heart and soul. Um, exhortation. Encourage each other. Provide that resistance so that people can really grow. Obviously, you're going to do this with your students, but also do it with other teachers where you get to promote growth and health in each other and spur one another on towards love and good works and to teaching. And of course, Paul here is speaking specifically to Timothy's gift of teaching scripture. And later on here, when it says, don't neglect the gift you have, I want to speak to not just the concept of teaching, which you've been called to in this profession, but also to any specific gifts the Lord's given you in the classroom. Like what who are you and who has the Lord created you to be? What are your specific giftings and how can you, how can those shine in the classroom? Keep a close watch on yourself. This should not be a sentence of stress. When I read that, it stresses me out a little bit, but God is not, I need to, we need to read this through the lens of God's character. It's a, not a charge of like, don't screw up. It's an empowerment to steward your life well. Verse 15, it says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. But when you're practicing them, it is okay to not be excellent at it right away. And that practice includes making mistakes, immersing yourself in it, like just drenching yourself in reading of scripture, exhortation, teaching, so that all may see your progress, like your growth, not your constant excellence, but your progress, it can be uplifting to other people and promote their progress. Um, another thing that stuck out to me as I was reading through chapter four was verse 10 that says, for to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. I think this idea of pressing on, even when things are hard, it, mm. one of the difficult parts of teaching, but also just most of life is that you don't always see the outcome of your hard work and of your efforts. And that can become really discouraging. But I think it brings it back to the question of, do you believe that God is sovereign? Because if you're answering yes to that question, and you do believe that he is sovereign, then you know that doing work onto him is worthwhile in every situation, whether or not we see the results. Mm -hmm. And so having that trust and having that belief that you are doing it for the Lord and you are serving him. And sometimes that isn't always a student turning and being like, Hey, you've changed my life. You know, you don't, mm. but he is the one who's going to sustain you and he is teaching you and growing you through those situations. 
And also the consistency of showing up and putting in effort is worshiping the Lord because you are showing him that you trust in him and that Mm. living for him is worthwhile. Should we go action steps? Oh, action steps. I think at this point I should probably get an action steps tattoo. (laughs) Plaster on my forehead. Forehead is a bold choice. I guess you could always get bangs if you don't like. (laughs) That's about how much I enjoy action steps. Um. Okay. Here's mine. What clutter do you have in your soul? What do you need to remove to have purity in your soul? To have like just just Jesus. That's a pretty deep action step. But you know what? That's my exhortation. (laughs) Well, you and I were on the same train with the action steps oh, because I was actually headed. going I was actually going to Choo-choo. challenge the Bible. <laughs> um, so my action step actually has to do with what Lois just said of identifying what gunk you have in your soul. I actually want to challenge everyone, myself included on this one, to spend 10 minutes a day over the next week just being still with the Lord mm. and just praying that he will reveal areas of your life in which you need refinement and also just praying for resilience sustenance throughout this school year Mm. well thanks so much for joining us today we hope you feel empowered in the gospel and in the words of the greatest teacher go and make disciples